Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Mom on the Verge podcast, where I aim to help you improve your sense of joy, purpose, and meaning in this life. We will talk about a lot of different ways we can do this, but ultimately, we'll be working toward finding our way back home to ourselves and remembering that even in the most challenging times, peace is only a breath away. I am your host, Katie Farinas, a mom, nurse, and yogi on a mission to improve mental health and build community in our world. Hi guys, welcome back to the show. I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation today with Paula Schuster. Paula was in the corporate world for about 25 years when she went away for a week-long retreat that she really had no idea what she was getting into before she went. And when she came back, she describes herself as being a completely different person. It really changed her pretty much overnight. And of course, that was very startling for those people in her world that were closest to her. Her wife and her children uh, had to make a lot of adjustments as she navigated this new part of herself that she had chosen to ignore for most of her life. And it wasn't easy. It caused some turmoil. But Paula knew that she really just didn't have a choice. She had to step into this new side of herself that was so important for her growth and her evolution and her ability to give back to the world. So we really have a raw conversation about what happens when we change, what happens when we start putting our own needs above the needs of everyone around us and how that impacts our relationships, but also how it impacts us if we choose not to. So I think you're really going to like it. I think you're going to see yourself in it. You're going to really feel like you can identify with a lot of the things that we talk about. We also go into uh, Reiki a little bit because on Paula's journey, she did become a Reiki master. And um, that's something that I've always been super interested in doing myself. So I think you're going to be interested in hearing about her journey there as well. And um, if you've never had Reiki, I would highly suggest it. It's, It's a pretty amazing experience. So take a listen. Let me know what you think. Um, As always, I ask that you share the episode if you think there's someone in your life who could benefit from hearing it. Um, If you could also rate, review, and like the show, it just helps us grow. And if you'd like to sign up for the newsletter, you can find the um, access to that in the show notes. Uh, There's a link tree link there that you can go to to sign up. And also I put all of Paula's information in the show notes. So if you would like to contact her for any reason, either her Facebook, Instagram, email, and website are all listed in the show notes. So I hope you enjoy the show. As always, I'd love to hear your feedback. So please reach out to me. My information is in that link tree as well. Have a great day, guys. Bye. Hi, Paula. Welcome to Mom on the Verge. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. Of course. Thank you so much for being here. Um, so I wanted to start off the show as I always do with talking about, uh, asking you a little bit about your backstory and how you came to do what you do and be in the process that you're in. So you and I just chatted a little bit before I started the recording and saying that you've really been in the process of a healing journey over the past four or five years. So I wanted to give our listeners a little background on that, um, how that came to be and where you are in that process. 
Sure. Um, well, so I was in corporate America uh, working for one of the large financial institutions. Um, in fact, I had just quit that corporate job a year ago last May after more than 25 years uh, to pursue more purposeful work. Um, so when my journey first started, I guess I would say it, it first started with yoga, a yoga practice. And that just, you know, got me in my body and started to just make some changes for me. Um, it got me out of my head and into my body and just opened me up some. Um, but the, the bigger milestone in my healing journey, I would say is when I was uh, trained and attuned to Reiki. Reiki energy healing. And I was um, invited to go on a retreat to learn Reiki and um, to Yandara Yoga Institute in Baja, Mexico. And I didn't know anything about Reiki. <laughs> when I um, was invited to this, I knew just that it was energy healing. And, um, but I thought, well, I'm not going to say no to a, a beach in Mexico, you know? <laughs> um, so I said yes. And, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll, you know, be able to do some research um, before I go on my trip. And of course I got busy with my corporate job because um, I was always overworking there <laughs> and, um, and I didn't get to research it. So I went into that, like knowing, knowing next to nothing about it. And I had a big bang awakening, a spiritual awakening. Like I remember when I was getting attuned to Reiki one, Reiki level one, like I felt myself coming back home to myself. I literally like felt it in my heart and it tears were just streaming down my face. And I, and then I got attuned to Reiki level two and then Reiki level three, and it just kept expanding and shedding layers and healing and healing. And, um, in that seven days, I was a completely changed person. After that seven days, I came home from that retreat and, um, I didn't talk the same. I didn't look the same. I didn't dress the same. I didn't eat the same. And I didn't care about the same things. And even my teenage kids were like, who are you? <laughs> we don't even know who you are anymore. And I said, I'm finding that out too. <laughs> um, and I came home. I took more Reiki training um, here in Minneapolis where I live. And there was more healing and shedding of layers. I went back to Yandara and got my life coaching certification and that was just another, like a, a bigger awakening experience for me. Um, and just my teacher was just this beautiful example of everything I wanted to be just this grace and this love and this peace emanating from the inside out. And, um, so it was just this beautiful experience for me, um, to go through that. <clears throat> and, you know, as I went on about my journey, I just became so misaligned with corporate America. And um, I, I just couldn't, I got to the point where I couldn't do it anymore. Um, where I was like crying every day after work, I, I, I held kind of a, a bigger leadership position, I ran organizations, it was it was very demanding job with lots of stress. And, and it just I wasn't aligned with it anymore. I just couldn't do it. And so my um wife uh and I had talked about me leaving corporate America because you know I was the breadwinner and meant it would mean selling the house and all these big changes for us and she was on board um and and said okay let's have a runway to that and you know when I was kind of at my wits end it was probably a little bit before the end of that runway was originally planned but I had to jump ship and kind of what helped me helped me jump ship actually was um, this organic mushroom farm that kind of came in and, and swept me out of, out of corporate America. Um, so I worked there for a hot minute and they were, um, 
I felt like it was more purposeful in terms of healing, healing people in the earth and, um, and that the owner of that company ended up being abusive. And so, uh, that was the universe, um, showing me I had healed from so much abuse by that time. And it was the universe showing me this in my life again and asking, are you going to choose this or are you going to choose different? And I chose different and I, I quit. And, um, and I, and the reason why I had done that short stint at the organic mushroom farm is because I was too scared to really step out into my own business and build it. I had already started it right after I had, I had um, been attuned to Reiki the, the first time, um, I came home and opened my business right away, but I just didn't have, you know, working in that corporate job enough time to grow it. So anyway, when I, when I quit the, the mushroom farm, I, um, I immediately bought a tent and I went out and I signed up for like county fairs and street markets and expos and farmers markets and all these things. And I just went out to the community and started building my business in the community. And, um, and it worked, you know, it was slow, but it worked. Uh, and I started teaching after that. And, and, um, you know, I went through a, uh, we went through the same coaching program, Katie, earlier this year, um, a three month kind of intense coaching program to sort of rewire us and help us and support us. And um, that was another, you know, big shift and raise in my vibration. Um, and during that uh, class uh, or that uh, coaching uh, program, I created my most, um, my newest uh, workshop, which is a workshop on on cultivating self love, and so um, it ties in with my with my coaching work, my coaching practice, and um, I'm just loving it. And so that's a little bit about. Does that kind of cover? Yeah, that that does. Right I mean, that awesome. covers a lot. I, um, I it's all fascinating, and I want to go back to a couple of pieces and dissect them a little bit. So. I also am a yoga teacher and I came to yoga also kind of in a difficult place in my life. Um, I had developed chronic migraine and I was really just, it was just a really difficult time. There was a lot of darkness. There's a lot of depression. Uh, there was nothing that was helping my symptoms at all. And I had been called to yoga throughout my life. I just felt this kind of I don't know. I don't really know how to describe it other than a pull, like this internal pull towards it, but I had been in it and out of it because, um, when you have young children, it's hard yoga studios, studios often don't have childcare. So I would go when I could, when I could, you know, get myself some childcare and, and make it to the studio. But when chronic migraine hit, I really that that pull became much stronger for me. Mm -hmm. And I really took a deep dive into the practice. And again, I didn't really know why it was just an internal calling that I chose to follow. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was thinking actually just this morning, how I could never have imagined how my life would have has changed. I could never have foreseen the changes in my life from simply making that one decision. Yeah. And uh, different from you, your decision, your, um, change seemed to be much quicker. Mine has been a very slow evolution over the past 10 years. Um, so yours, you you and I differ in that aspect, but it's just amazing when you follow that internal call, you could, you really just can't imagine where it's going to lead you. And it, it leads to so many beautiful, amazing things, but so often we just don't pay attention to it, but mm. I am a, 
a firm believer believer in the practice of yoga. And when I say that, I don't just mean the physical asana practice. I mean the philosophy of yoga and being enmeshed in the studying and the learning of the philosophy along with the asana. I mean, I do love the asana as well. Um, but I think the true benefits come when we take it deeper than that. But often, as was for me, and I think for many people, it starts with the asana and then it will gradually evolve into something more than that. Yeah. Um, yes, but it's been truly life altering for me. And the longer I stay with it and the more I study it, the more I see how it just really relates to every single solitary facet of our human existence. Um, and I want to, I want to spread that knowledge because I think so many people could, could benefit from it. Yes. I'm, I'm called to, to, uh, become a yoga teacher too. I just haven't done it yet, but I agree with everything that you said. Yeah. Um, And on the, on the flip side, I've been called to, um, become a Reiki practitioner. So that's, we have that both in, in, in common as well. Uh, So my, so, well, let, let's first maybe give our guests who maybe are not that familiar with what Reiki is. Can you break it down to give them an explanation of kind of like an image in their mind of what happens during a Reiki session? Sure. So, um, gosh, Reiki is such a beautiful practice. It's it's a gentle healer and and really just a powerful tool that I love having in my in my tool belt. Um, so, so Reiki is like a Japanese energy therapy technique for stress reduction and relaxation, um, that also promotes healing. And so like during a session, um, <clears throat> excuse me, first, if it's the client's first session, I would, you know, invite them in and, um, and talk to them a little bit about Reiki, tell them how it works, you know, which the simplest explanation is Reiki works through channeling and intention. You know, I'm channeling the Reiki energy as the practitioner with the intention of giving it to the receiver. And, um, and I always like my clients to, uh, set an intention to receive. So there's that joint intention, which is just more powerful. Um, but, um, I, I, you know, talk to them a little bit before the, the, um, before we get started and, and let them know, you know, the different things that they might experience during a Reiki session, um, and go through some of those things, ask them, you know, what brought them in, you know, is there something that they want to focus on for their session? And then from there, um, the receiver lays on a massage table, fully clothed and on their back. Um, and, you know, their job at that point, I get it, you know, I take a little bit of time to get us centered in and really let let people arrive on the table because they're usually coming in from the busyness of life. And, um, and so I take a few minutes to, to really ground us in and, and get us into our hearts and into the receptive mode. And then really the receiver's job from there is to just like relax as much as possible. And if they fall asleep even better, because, um, as adults, even if we're setting an intention to receive and we're open and our hearts are open, you know, there's still, you know, unconscious, um, things that are happening, maybe small blockages or whatever. And if you're sleeping, then you're just wide open. Um, and so then, um, you know, I, as the practitioner go through, um, using, you know, Reiki is an, uh, an intuitive practice. Um, and so it's working with, you know, spiritually guided life force energy and the receiver's highest self. And so I just am listening to my intuition about where to go, 
um, around the person. I, I feel things up the center of my body. And so I can tell where someone needs Reiki by what's going on in my stomach, my heart and my throat. Um, and you know, I just, it, just give Reiki channel Reiki for the receiver for the bulk of the time of the session. And then I save a little bit of time at the end to hold space for the client to um, talk about what they experienced or ask questions. Um, and then if they're comfortable, I can also relay anything that came through for me. Um, sometimes I receive messages that I, that are coming in so strong that I'll say them out loud, but for me, that isn't one of the intuitive senses that is, is that developed for me. And so I don't get many like messages that are like, say this out loud right now. <laughs> um, but yeah. And, and, you know, getting off the table after a Reiki session, the most common thing that people, um, say that they experience is just this deep feeling of peace and calm. Like all the stress energy is wiped away and, um, and they like have this just deep calmness about them. Um, there's lots of other, you know, uh, experiences people have too. Um, you know, it's a reliever of PTSD and physical pain and discomfort, mental and emotional issues. And, um, it's just a really all overall mind, body, spirit healer. I mean, I've had people on my table before going into a past life, um, go into them remembering when they made the contract to come onto the earth in this body. I like, it's, it just depends on the person it's unique to everybody. And then some people experience nothing except for just deep relaxation and calm throughout the whole session. Some people get visuals. It just is a whole range of things. So that's, that's so great. And just so that listeners also know, generally speaking, Reiki is, is a hands off practice, right? So your, your hands are more over the body versus specifically on the body. Correct. I think that differs like from practitioner to practitioner. Um, I do a mix of touch and work in the, the aura uh, for every session that I do, because I'm called sometimes to just lay hands on it's no massage or anything like that. It's just, if I am touching, it's just a very light laying uh, of the hands on. Um, and so, like I said, I do a mix, like I do work in the aura quite a bit, um, especially over like the heart chakra and the root chakra, because those are, you know, the private part areas <laughs> of a person's <laughs> physical body. Um, but if, if it's okay with them, I'll put crystals there and things like that. Um, so, but, but I'm always called, I'm typically called to, to do some touch, like, especially on the head and, um, some of the lower parts of the body as well. Okay. So my first experience with Reiki was at a yoga studio that I was taking classes at and the owner of the studio often taught classes as well. And she also was a Reiki master. And mm -hmm. so sometimes during Savasana, she would come around and just do a little Reiki right at, on our heads, just, really just on our heads. Yeah. yeah. And I had had zero experience with Reiki. I didn't know what it was. Um, so I, I didn't have any judgments about it because I really didn't even know what it was. And all of a sudden I could feel the energy, which sounds strange yes. to someone who has never experienced it is doesn't know much about these types of practices or, or really just the energy, the, the, the concept of our energy, it sounds very strange, but I would feel warmth. She would not be touching me at all. There was right. no actual touch, but I would feel heat 
or I would feel um, sensations in my head, which I call, you know, the movement of energy. That's what it feels like to me. Um, and I remember at being like, what the heck is yeah. this? Like this woman didn't even touch me. This is wild. So then I have gone and had full Reiki sessions since then. And it is just as wild. It is, it is truly amazing how energy can be manipulated just with intention, you know, just with choosing yes. to direct the energy. It is extremely relaxing, just as you said. Um, and everything you described was my experience too. A little conversation before, a little conversation after laying on the table. Overall, not a ton of touching, but yes, sometimes crystals, sometimes hands-on. And so what I then began to notice is my ability to feel energy in my own body. So it's yes. so funny when you're not attuned to something, it's always there. You're just not paying attention to it. Yep. And, um, my English teacher in 10th grade used to say, he used to call it the purolator effect. He, <laughs> he, had, he had never heard of purolator. It's apparently a company that has large trucks and he'd never heard of it before. And then somebody brought up the company purolator to him. And he's like, what? I've never heard of this company. And then all of a sudden, everywhere he went, he yeah. saw purolator trucks, <laughs> right? So the purolator trucks were always there. He was just not attuned to them. He was not recognizing them. And this happens in so many areas of our life, including something like energy. So I'm a nurse. And so as a nurse, we do a lot of hands-on with our patients. Yeah. And it, I can feel the energy of when I'm touching my patients and how to kind of therapeutically touch them, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, it makes sense. You're in their aura. You can feel it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so I feel really called now to also be trained in Reiki just because I, I feel it. I feel that, um, energy so strongly and, but, but this really, I, I, lived most of my life without feeling it until I was probably in my mid thirties. So yeah. I just think it's amazing how much is there that we don't even recognize until our, we bring awareness to it. Oh my gosh. Isn't that so true? I love that you want to learn it as a nurse. Um, I know several nurses who are, um, who have gone through trainings or, uh, I happen to be on a retreat and met them or whatever. I just know there's a lot of, uh, nurses, um, you know, getting trained in Reiki so that they can use it so that they can also help themselves with it. Right. Right. Uh, because, you know, even during a session, like as a practitioner, I'm receiving Reiki as I'm giving it. So that's one of the things I love most about it. But, um, the medical community is, is recognized. I mean, there have been studies done now, um, <clears throat> scientific studies done on Reiki and it's 80 or 83% of, um, of people are, you know, uh, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't know. Just it's legitimate. It's a legitimate, um, complementary therapy and the right. evidence-based is what we call it in, in the medical community, evidence-based therapy. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And it's yeah. getting, it's getting recognized and, and, um, legitimized, I guess, not that it yeah. needs legitimacy, but you know, um, that's the, the society we live in. It is. And I, I actually happen to really love that intersection of science and mysticism, uh, because it's, it's just kind of proving what we intuitively know, but it's, it is nice to have for, it's nice to have that quote unquote proof so that, um, portions of the population who may dismiss the practice 
can't dismiss it anymore because we have evidence that it is effective. Exactly. Um, when I have someone who is, um, you know, questioning or, or doubting or something, I, one of the things I go through is the science, right? The atom is made of 99.9999% energy and 0.001% particle. Yet we put all of our everything, all of our stake and everything on that, that 0.001% particle. And so I give them a little bit of the science behind it. I give them more than that, but um, and then I say, and I invite you to get on the table because there's just no denying it once you've experienced it for yourself. Yes, correct. Correct. There is no denying it. And then taking it out into your own life and playing with it. So yeah. I love the concept of play. We talked about a lot about this in that coaching program that you and I were in back in the spring and how as adults, we forget to play. Mm -hmm. And I love playing with all of these, these concepts and just Hmm, I'm not sure. How do I feel about that? Well, let me suspend my disbelief and just be open and play and see what happens. Uh, I'm not saying I believe in something or I don't believe in something. I'm saying I'm going to just, you know, fiddle around with it and see what comes up. So when you wind mm -hmm. up, you know, taking that idea of everything's energy out into the world, you can really, you can really play with that concept in a lot of ways in the world. And it, and it becomes really fun. It's a game and it's really fun. And thank you for saying it in that way with the play, because that just gave me new perspective that, wow, thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> um, so coming back then to you had, so like I said, my transition and my evolution has been a much slower process than what you experienced. So I would imagine for your children and your wife, that was shocking, <laughs> <laughs> and, and difficult to swallow, right? You go away and a week back later, you come back as this totally different human. So how has that impacted those relationships? And do you have advice for our listeners? Because I really, um, I'm, this show is about encouraging women to step into their authenticity and claim their life, their passion, their purpose, their, you know, ability to follow their intuition and not be, derailed by anyone in their life, but yet that can sometimes come with some rough patches for relationships where you were operating under a certain paradigm. And now that paradigm is shifting and the people in relationship with you are feeling that shift and maybe not loving it so much because it's a, it's a change and it's scary. So do you have any any advice for our listeners or what was your experience and what did you learn from it? Sure. I can talk about some of those, um, bumps <laughs> or yes. uh, challenges. <laughs> um, you know, at first, because I, you know, what I would just say overall, what rocked the boat the most is me quitting my corporate job because that's all everyone had ever seen me do. And it affected our finances. And so there was a lot more no's instead of yeses <laughs> for what the kids wanted and things like that. So, um, you know, at first there wasn't a big impact when I had my big sort of bang awakening and came back after that week and I was a different person, like everybody was okay. Like it, um, it changed the vibration in our house actually. And it relaxed the people around me because I was more relaxed. I was responding instead of reacting. I was, um, you know, I, I was just at this more calm. I had this 
peace and equanimity on the end coming from the inside out. And so in the beginning, it was, it was all really fine because I had stayed in my corporate job. And then I started getting these, um, these pings to like move and like, and then, you know, like out of the country kind of a thing, <laughs> you know? And so I started and I don't hide <laughs> these things from my kids, you know? And, and so I was saying these things out loud and that's when they really started to feel the instability. It felt really unstable to them, um, to hear mom saying that. And how old were your kids at this time? They were, oh geez, was it like, um, 13 and no, uh, 14 and 16. Okay. I think. Yeah. Or th- 13 and 15, maybe. Um, no, it was the, they were a little bit older anyway. Um, they were teenagers and, um, that, that, uh, made my son gravitate more toward his father. Um, and so it, I don't know, it, it kind of, I think he may have, would have done that anyway, because he's a boy and he's going to resonate more with his dad as he's going through his teenage years. And I get that, but it happened, I think sooner than it would have, or differently than it would have, um, had I not been talking about moving out of the country. So it made my son gravitate toward his dad. And so I felt a loss in that. Um, and my daughter was, you know, just like, she felt like the rug was ripped out from underneath her. She wasn't done with high school. She wanted me to stay, see her through high school and even beyond, um, you know, wanting me here in this house, you know, mm-hmm. um, not wanting us to move at all. And, um, and so that created some stress and tension between us for sure. And, um, and a lot, like I had mentioned before, a lot of no's with the finances and things and and that, was difficult for her because I usually just, you know, I mean, I don't know if that served them or not, but I give them, I, you know, they pretty much have everything they want save for a few things. Um, and then with, for my wife, it's been a little different. Like she, when I started talking about wanting to move out of the country was on board with that was a little bit scared, but was on board with it. And, um, but then like after I, quit my corporate job and was done with the mushroom company and is really, was really focusing on my business, um, which she helps with. So there was a little bit of strain on her cause she had the corporate job and she was helping me with some things on the bit in my business. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was like, Oh, well, I want to, I started to just follow my heart's desires. And so I would, you know, go off and say, okay, well, my heart feels like I want to try this. And so I would go try this. And then I want to try that. I want to, and so I go take this training or, um, I, whatever it is, you know, I tried several different things. And for her, the way she describes it is, I feel like I'm strapped, strapped to a rocket ship (laughs) (laughs) and I'm just hanging on for dear life. (laughs) And, uh, And so for a while there was kind of flow with that. And then it, it just kind of ebbs and flows. It dips and peaks. And, you know, more recently, um, especially because of just things we had going on this year, my um, I wasn't focusing as much on the business. Um, and so our finances have been affected by that. Um, and 
she, you know, it was just more impactful there. there she feels um, unstable and insecure, like we don't have footing underneath us. And so we're working through that. Um, and you know, what I've done, especially with my wife is just pour love and Reiki on the whole situation. Like every time it comes into my mind, every time I touch her or hug her or snuggle with her or kiss her, I am sending, just pouring love and Reiki on the situation and it's starting to loosen again and flow. And, and she's, you know, because she felt like I was a rocket, she was really gripping down hard on the 3d and what all the things that we've always known and all of the old thoughts and all of the old ways and all of the old, like, you know, um, having, needing everything to be known and planned. And I'm like, wait, we need unknown because that's where the magic happens. Let's let this be an adventure. And so she was kind of on the opposite end of that. And that's, what's loosening up. And so just in the last few days, actually, and so it's been really, really wonderful to feel and uh, to feel that happening and to see her um, coming through that and to, to kind of go, wow, okay, this is maybe going to work, you know? <laughs> wow. And how about your children? Are they, are they coming around at this point or they need a little more time? Um, well, okay. So my daughter's off in college now, and um, that was quite quite a rocky road to get her there. Um, but she, and, and so she is better. Um, but she wants us to stay here in the house that we're like getting ready to put on the market tomorrow. Um, and so she's coming to terms with the fact that when she comes home for college for holidays and things, it's not going to be to this house. It might be to us in another house here in Minneapolis where we live, or we might be moving out of state, um, we're not quite ready to go out of the country yet. We've decided, um, but we might be going out of state because my wife's mom was di diagnosed with cancer and they live in Kentucky. Sorry. Yeah. Thank you. It's pretty, pretty um, far along and, and a big thing, like such a big tumor that they aren't really able to treat it other than with immune boosters right now. So it's pretty, um, like I said, far along and not a great situation. So, um, you know, my, my daughter is getting through that. She's coming home in a couple of weekends and she's got to pack up some stuff. And so I'm sure we're going to be working through some tears and some more things then. And I'm just telling her, you know, I'm still here to support you. I'm still here. I'm still your mom. I'm just in a different house, maybe in a different state. Yeah. And if she wants to come home to Minnesota, she can come home to her auntie's house or her grandma's house and be local with her friends or whatever. Um, you know, it, it would, you know, kind of break my heart a little bit if she didn't come to visit me on the holidays and she, she came here, but you know, that's her path and that's her choice. And I have to let her have her experience and I have to, um, love her no one from the, no matter what, you know? Yeah. Um, my son is doing great. Um, he just, I don't know, is coming into himself, I guess I would say. And, um, so he just turned like a big corner and I'm so proud of him and he's doing great. And he's, um, sort of, you know, how I described how he kind of gravitated toward his dad and I felt a loss. Mm -hmm. He's back now with me, mm -hmm. but still really wanting to be with his dad more, but still back with me. So I love where that is. Um, and yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, overall, the, you know, the overarching theme that I'm hearing between all of those people is your, um, the push pull, like you, as, a, as moms, I think that we often feel that if we follow our hearts or do the things that we want to do and that they are in conflict with what our children want us to do because, or, mm-hmm. or our partners want us to do, um, that we are being selfish and we shouldn't do it. And I think a lot of times that's how women live their lives is by sacrificing their true heart's desires over and over and over again. And to me, that's like death by a thousand tiny paper cuts. Oh my God, so am with you. Yes. Right. You're like literally killing your soul by making repeatedly making all these small choices over and over and over again, that always put the other in front of your yourself. And, but it's really hard because as partners and parents, we feel, we don't, we feel like we're selfish if we're doing it, but we also want to make those people in our lives happy, right? We want to please them. We, we want to be the good mom or the good spouse. So it's, it's a really, it's a really hard position to be in. So I want to make sure that we're like really clear on that because someone out there who's listening to this, who has not started to take the shift in mindset that you and I have taken might hear your story and think, oh my gosh, she's so selfish. She's being so selfish. How could she do that? But, but ultimately if we do what's best for ourselves, those people around us will always benefit. Even if in the short term, it doesn't feel like that. So true. And you know, this, I'm, I created this cultivating self-love workshop and I just put it on again yesterday. Um, and this is one of the things that we talk about quite a bit in this workshop, because we are conditioned to Mm. put others before ourselves as women. This is how, like, this is how we're conditioned. And so we talk a lot about that and being a good girl and all, all sorts of that related stuff. Um, and, and I'm really glad that you said that because it made me think just to add a couple of things, you know, like, especially my daughter, like my daughter has really been proud of me. She's been, she's told me in all of this that, you know, like you're my hero, like, oh my gosh, I've watched you do all these really brave and courageous things. And you're amazing. You are amazing. And so she said these things to me, you know, it chills all over my body. Yeah. And (laughs) it brings me to tears just to just to um, say it out loud. But then she was also the biggest like sort of pull or push or, you know, whatever on the the relationship where there was kind of probably the most tension. Um, And in fact, when this whole thing with this, I had mentioned there was a rocky road getting her to college and it was because I won't co-sign the loans. And she's like, but everybody that she asked to co-sign her loans also said no, but she was only mad at me. Like oh, her, oh parents, isn't her that interesting? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, my parents said no. The grandma on her dad's side said no. Her dad said no, <clears throat> and I said no. And and I was having this conversation with her, and I said, Riley, it just doesn't feel like it's fair that you're that everyone said no, but you're only mad at me. And she goes, but you're my mom. And I said, I get that, but you know, like, what about your dad? And he and she goes, well, he's um, he's broke. And I said, well, I am too. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, 
you know, because basically because I don't have my corporate job anymore. I'm not making that same kind of salary yet, you know, and that's why I said I'm broke. And she said, um, yeah, but, but, uh, he, what did she say? What did she say? She said, but he has the choice, but he, but you have a choice to not be broke. That's what she said to me. And I said, so does your dad, because he's not working and hasn't for like 20 years. Mm-hmm. And so, and I said, so does your dad. And then she, you know, she hung up on me. And so when we were able to finish that conversation, it was Riley, I'm not going to go back into my corporate job because I can see that's what you expect because you would be able to do this if I was still in my corporate job is what you're thinking. Right. And I'm not going to choose going back into my corporate job. I need to choose myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she had a really hard time with that, but is absolutely coming around and learning. And I feel like I'm setting the right example. Yeah, absolutely. She will learn from that and know that it's okay to choose herself in the future. And it, it doesn't mean that you're a bad mom. It means Thank that you. you have to, because what happens is, you know, you say, oh, I could go back into my corporate job, but you really couldn't. Right. I mean, oh my gosh, no! It gets to that point where you just have evolved to such a place that you you c- actually couldn't do it unless maybe maybe unless you just couldn't put food on the table. <laughs> but beyond you know homelessness um, and not being able to feed yourself, uh, you probably really couldn't make yourself because it would be so soul crushing yes. that. Uh, really nothing is worth it. And, and here you are having had the big corporate job and the stability and the money and all of the things that we think that we want. And now you have something different than that, where it's, you know, less money and less stability, but where do you feel better? Oh my gosh. Right. Where do you feel feel more like your authentic self? Where do you feel more vibrant and alive and energetic and joyful and passionful and purposeful? Like, right. All of those things and more like I am walking on this earth more authentically than I have for 35 years. And I feel so good. So good. Like part of this shift, especially with me and my wife is that like now, especially after that coaching program, we went through Katie, like I am operating at a higher vibration Mm -hmm. period. That's it. And I need people to come and meet me. And so this is part of the thing that I go through in my cultivating self-love workshop. It's like, when we rise, they rise with us. When we love ourselves back into life, they will too. Like they'll come. We just need to support and love and provide space. Yeah. And so many of these things come back to yoga philosophy. Like when you yes. again, talked about this was way back in the beginning and I, I forgot to highlight this, but I, I wanted to come back to it where you said you, um, you took this job at the mushroom farm and then it wound up that I think you said the owner was abusive and that you had had experiences like that before in your life. And you recognize that and you chose to step out of that pattern. That's, that's yoga, right? It's self-awareness. It's recognizing the things that keep showing up in your life over and over. And when we can see them and then choose differently, we have elevated, we've elevated to the next level because we have more, um, capacity. Now we have more energy to 
to be different in our lives, to see different in our lives, because we have stepped out of that lower elevation or lower energy pattern. Yeah. So that's amazing. And then also what you're saying about like, I, my daughter, my son, these people in my life, my, my wife were upset about these things, but I had to choose myself is, is also a yoga yogic philosophy, right? It's like, we're not going to be bothered by what anyone else thinks does or says. Yes. They have to, we have to let people have their experience. Yes. It's so hard. It's so hard. And their experience, even though they may direct it at you, the energy of that experience, the feeling of that experience, although they may be directing at you, it at you, it is not your responsibility. It is not yours to hold. Right. And it's, that's a daily, well, minute by minute practice for me, because I'm not like, you know, that, uh, it's up and down, (laughs) you know, being able to have that detached, but yet, you know, sort of loving space, you know, like, cause yeah, because of lots of things in my past, I used to be a control freak. (laughs) Oh, wow. You really have come a long way. (laughs) And you can have compassion for their experience, right? It doesn't mean that there's a, a cool aloofness to you. You understand that they are having their experience and it is difficult and painful for them, but it doesn't mean that you need to carry the weight of it with you. Right. Which is what I always used to do. And then when everybody asked if I was okay, I'd say fine. And I was a wreck. Yeah. (laughs) A wreck on the inside. Yeah. (laughs) And so I feel like, you know, like, again, I feel like it's the right um, example, even if it's not feeling so great for them in the moment. Yeah. I I totally, I, I totally feel the same way. My husband and I, so I've always been more of the free spirit in the relationship and he is the, um, he's an accountant, which pretty much says it all. He's like a classic (laughs) accountant, (laughs) very black and white, you know, numbers oriented structure, likes control really, really. I mean, he, his title at his company at one point was, he was the controller of the company. And I was like, Oh my God, that is your title. Like that is the perfect title for you. Um, we jokingly in the family call him the fun killer because, you know, every time we're doing something, he's like, well, slow down, be careful. Don't do that. You know? Um, so oh my God, and, that was me. And then I've always been kind of the opposite, always seeking, you know, a little bit more, um, just, excitement, a little bit off the beaten path, kind of count a little countercultural, but also at the same time, totally buying into a lot of cultures, expectations about what it means to be a wife and a mom and a daughter and what it means to be quote unquote good. Um, And that, you know, that death by a thousand paper cuts was a hundred percent me because I kept denying myself over and over and over again, because I had these messages all around me from people in my life that I loved and cared about, and they loved and cared about me. And I was listening to them and denying myself. And then it got to the point where I was so numb that I didn't even recognize myself. I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know what I thought or how I felt. Um, And in this process of excavating my soul, 
I am finding out so much, but what's happening is that that numbness is going away that where I can't really feel like, I feel like I should feel this. I should feel this deeper or with more passion, or I should just feel more. I couldn't feel. Same. Oh my gosh. I love how you're saying this because you're putting into words what I haven't yet. I think I, I get it. You get it right. Where you're in an experience and you're like, why don't I feel this more? Like I should, <laughs> I should have strong emotions around this situation. Yeah. And like yet- when I first tried to turn my heart on, I, get, I couldn't feel it. And I'm like, oh my God, like I'm dead on the inside. Yes. And yeah. I think so many of us walk around like that and we don't even know it. And now I'm finding that my heart is opening so yeah. much yeah. that I, the other day I was listening to, um, a song. In fact, I don't know if you listened to the content call for week three on the portal. This is the class that you and I are in together now. Um, but she played this song and all she said was like, I think this is going to be an appropriate song for this week's lesson. And then she played the song. I am driving in my car, tears pouring down my face. I've heard this song a million other times in my life. Never, ever have I even had the inkling of a, of a tear to the eye. (laughs) And all of a sudden I'm, the tears are just pouring down my face because it's just resonating, just hitting me like, like a punch in the chest. And I I couldn't feel it before. So I, I, that's what I want women to recognize. Like, it's not like you, I mean, maybe you have had major trauma in your life and that is one thing, but there are many women out there like myself who I would have said, I, I've had a pretty good life. Like I had pretty good parents. I, you know, my husband's great. My kids are good. Like I, like I don't really have trauma in my life, mm-hmm. but trauma doesn't have to come in a gaping wound. No, it can come in these tiny cuts and enough tiny cuts will lead to a gaping wound. Oh, for sure. Like in all of the little micro decisions in the day where we are not choosing ourselves and what we want in our alignment, like it builds and builds and builds into this huge thing, like you're talking about. And then there's like all this negativity and resentment. Oh, oh, the resentment. Awesome. Don't even get me started. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and, and particularly, I think that resentment, a lot of times it comes towards our partners. Yes. Um, for me, it definitely did because I felt like he's living his life. He's doing what he wants to do. This is what he says he wants to do and he's doing it. And I am the one who's left living this life that doesn't even resemble who I am. Right. Um, but I was putting that on him, right? I was, I was ter- saying that's his fault. He's not allowing me to live the life that I want to live, but it's, it's not his fault. Right. I, I have ownership over my own life and that's I get a to big choose. One. <laughs> yes. I get to choose. And what's really funny is we think we can't, right. We think we, we, I can't do that. No, I know. I, I can't, if, if I did, then this would happen and that would happen and life would fall apart. But when you start choosing, you realize that was just a limiting belief in your mind and you actually can choose and nothing falls apart. Nothing falls apart. It might be challenging, you know, mm-hmm. but then there's growth. Like that's what we're meant to do. Yes. We're meant to come here and grow and stretch and yeah. And once you start on that process of growth, it's, you just can't stop it's, it's a, it's addictive to just keep growing and seeing where this wonderful journey can take you in your life. Exactly. Like we are, uh, it's like that it's 
constant change. It's okay for us to be in this constant state of evolution. And, um, I think that it's really hard for, um, women, especially, but I think a lot of people, men too, um, to, to change and move because, you know, we're also worried about like, what box do you fit in and what label Mm -hmm. is on you and what are you and, you know, what do you do? And I need to be able to compartmentalize you. And, and so, and then we feel like we can't change right with what's going on in our society today for whatever reason, conditioning and all sorts of other things. Um, and, and I think that's part of what has, has, well, I know it is, you know, felt so unstable for my family is because I'm in this constant state of change and evolution, like we are supposed to be as humans, Mm -hmm. but that we have not been living. And, and so, um, like that's again, like I, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing what I'm doing, coaching and putting out this class and stuff, because just like you with this podcast, like I want to spread spread this and help bring people, help love people back into life. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's fantastic. I, I love that. Um, do you have a community? So we also talk a lot on the show about community. And I think it's something that it, just in the world, in America, at least I can't speak for other countries that we don't talk about enough. And I think it's really really important for our health and wellness and particularly a community that allows you to be truly yourself, gives you the space to be in a constant state of evolution and loves you through all the changes. Mm -hmm. Um, and so do you have a community that, that meets that for you? You know, um, Somewhat, I would say, and I'm built. I and I would also say I'm building it because I, for the last couple of years, have craved community and connection mm-hmm. so so much. Um, and so, like, I'm a Reiki master, and like as we know, and so I've been putting on Reiki shares and um, doing other events to bring women together. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm going to you know things too. Um, whether it's the, at the local yoga studio or whatever, you know, I'm, I'm definitely finding community. Um, and through my new cultivating self-love workshop, um, I really want to, to build a self, the self-love club. Like I have a shirt, a t-shirt and everything. Oh, cute. I love <laughs> that. The self-love club. <laughs> um, and, um, so I'm working on that. That's great. That's great. I mean, I definitely have it through my yoga studio and even outside that. And, you know, the nursing world, um, can be very, uh, it has a reputation for being patty and mm. just little backstabbing and things like that. But I can say from my personal experience, I've worked on the same floor in the same hospital for almost 18 years now. And we just have an amazing crew uh, that really supports one another. And nice. we are family. We're not just coworkers We're, we really just get to know each other on a personal level. And not everyone is, is kind of on the same path that I'm on, but yet it doesn't matter because we are just still there for each other. And I think that's when I say community, I mean, it is, a, it is wonderful to have a community of life like-minded people and to be on the same kind of growth journey that you are on. And that's yes amazing. 
but it's also just wonderful to just have people in your life, life that you just get to know and they get to know you. And, you know, then they feel comfortable about opening up about whatever struggles are going on in their life and, and vice versa for you. And you can just have a conversation and feel supported and, um, and even just getting to know like your mail carrier, right. Or your UPS driver or Mm -hmm. your neighbors on your street. I mean, it's, it's just having that human connection, I think is so powerful. Absolutely. And we all need it. And I think we're starving, starving for it. Um, I will say in my journey, you know, I have shed a lot of my prior, you know, friends and community, um, just because, you know, like we don't like the same things anymore. And, um, and I, you know, the, the choice of conversation and things like that Mm -hmm. doesn't resonate with me. And so I just choose to not be around it. It's part of my whole awareness of everything I consume and, you know, you know, you become the five people you're most around. And so I'm just being more uh, mindful and choosy about who those, who I'm letting in. Um, but yes, I, I love how you mentioned just even, you know, like neighbors and things like that. Um, because that it, all the connections help. Um, they do, but I do love what you just said. Also, I think that's a fantastic point because we're talking about how, when we change that really shakes up our life. And we were talking about, you know, our children and, and, and our partners, but also friends, right. You're, you're totally right. It could shake up your friendships because the things that are important to you have shifted and what you want to talk about has changed and what you're willing to, um, I call it the, the mind, your mind diet to what you're talking about, where, Mm -hmm. you know, what you're watching, what you're listening to the conversations that you're having, um, all impact you energetically, right? So at some point you're just unwilling to even be around certain conversations that feel like they're going to negatively impact your, your energy. Um, and, and that can be uh, challenging when, with friendships. Yes. And you know, like it, I can say it's, I've had a couple of, I don't know, small, shorter sort of moments of loss or loneliness or, you know, things like that. But I come out of it right away because I feel so solid and strong in the changes that I am making and the path that I am on. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I know that I need to shine my light, my, my authentic light, because then my tribe and I will connect and we will find each other. And so I'm, that's in the process of happening, but I still, I do have like a close girlfriend or two that thankfully I'm, um, have in my circle. That's great. That's it's, you don't need a ton of super close people when you have those, those people that are your people. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I am assuming that you, um, have some mindfulness practices or spiritual practices that you engage with on a regular basis. So would you would like, would you share some of those with our listeners? Oh, sure. I mean, meditation, um, first and foremost is like in my class, this workshop that I teach, I have 10 tools and practices that, um, that we go over and meditation. I, I would say if there's Anything you take away from these 10, I would say, please start a meditation practice. (laughs) I totally agree. (laughs) It's life-changing in so many ways. And um, so that's, that's the big one for me. Um, Just awareness of daily thoughts and daily self-talk. I'm constantly 
assessing where I'm at. Um, and that's just become, it's just become inherent now, you know, it wasn't before I was just unconscious so much of the time. Um, so those are some things I do self-love mirror work. Um, I of course, um, do yoga. Um, although my, my practice isn't as consistent as it used to be. So I, I need to really get that back. My body's feeling it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then a big one is, and, and like, this is something we learned in the class we were in earlier this year, like that dropping of the codependency, that setting down what isn't ours to carry, that is huge. And that's just a constant practice. Well, thank you for sharing all of those. Um, anything else, anything else that you'd want to share with our listeners? Um, well, uh, just that I've been kind of mentioning throughout our conversation today, this workshop that I do on cultivating self-love. And so I'm going to be doing that monthly. Um, so far I've done it in person, but I, um, I do want to take it online because I believe that we can still, you know, have magical community and connection online. And so, um, I would just like the, the women who are coming through this workshop, they're gaining so much awareness and perspective. They're feeling inspired by, by the changes, um, and by the class, uh, they're feeling more open to receiving love after moving, removing blocks. You know, they're, they're just feeling full and inspired and, um, and, you know, a shift toward a more compassionate, being more compassionate and gentle toward themselves. And so if that sounds like anything that you would like, um, you know, you're welcome to check out uh, the information on my website, um, which is uh, reikiflowmn.com. And Reiki is R-E-I-K-I. And do, do you also do Reiki sessions virtually or are they only in person? I do uh, both in person and uh, virtual virtual sessions. Um, okay. And then I also am a, a certified life coach. And so I've been, I haven't had an opportunity to um, update the copy on my coaching page on my website, but you know, up until just more recently, I was trying to narrow or figure out like, where do I want to focus my efforts in my coaching practice? And, um, through the women that I've been coaching, it has become clear, um, that, um, sorry, I just totally lost my train of thought. Um, that happens to me all the time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sorry. Um, anyway, women are, are sort of lacking this, this self-love. So I've been doing a lot of work around that. That's one of the reasons why I created that workshop. And so, um, and, but I haven't had an opportunity to update my page that that's really where I want my focus to be is, is on, you know, helping women learn to love and choose themselves and shed the conditioning that tells us that we're selfish for putting ourselves first. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I love that. Well, I will make sure that um, we get your website up in the show notes for sure. Um, is that the best way of finding you and contacting you? We could also put up uh, your social media if you're comfortable with that. Sure. That'd be great. Okay. Okay. We'll put all the ways in the show notes Thank um, you. for people to find you. Thank you. Of course. And good luck with your upcoming move. And um, I can't wait to see all the things that you do. Same. I'm, I'm excited to see what you do too, Katie. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, thanks so much for being here. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Okay, I hope you really enjoyed that interview with Paula. I asked her towards the end of the show, um, like I ask many of my guests, what they do for mindfulness or what their spiritual practices are. And Paula answered meditation as being her number one practice that she uses. And I love that answer because it is also my number one practice. And I know it's something that a lot of people feel intimidated by. They they want to start a practice, but they don't know how, or that they think that they can't, that they're not good at meditating. So I wanted to try with you a little meditation today. So if you are driving a car or doing anything where it is dangerous to be um, still and quiet and closing your eyes, then I say, please pause right now and come back to this at a moment where you can take the time to do it. It's going to be short and sweet because I want you to just get a little taste of the experience. I know that some people out there listening to this might be regular meditators, but for those of you who are beginners or have never meditated before, I want this to be a super accessible experience for you to just dip your toe into the water and see how it feels. And for those people out there where you have never meditated or you have tried it and you think that you can't because your brain won't shut off, I just want to dispel a few myths before we start. So I am an avid meditator. I strongly, firmly believe in the power of meditation and there's a lot of scientific evidence to back it up. And I talk to people about it a lot. I'm pretty much a preacher for meditation because I believe so strongly in it. And the number one thing that people say to me is, I've tried meditating and I can't because I sit down to meditate and my my thoughts are going a mile a minute and I can't make them stop. And here's what I would like to say to that. Actually, I'd like to say a few things to that. One is that there are many different styles of meditation. So when we think about meditation, we do typically think of that person sitting on the floor on a cushion with their legs crossed and their eyes closed, looking very peaceful. And yes, that is one form of meditation and it's a beautiful practice, but there are many forms of meditation And some of them involve movement. Many of them can involve movement. So if you are the type of person who feels that you just cannot be still, I want to reassure you that there are ways of meditating that do not require you to be still. Now, we will do a stillness practice today just because it's it's kind of the easiest practice to do in a setting like this. But I just wanted to get that out there. The second thing... Um, I want to address is this idea that your mind is supposed to go blank while you're meditating. And I try to explain it to people like this. Your brain has developed over thousands and thousands of years to do one thing, one singular thing, and that is to think and to protect you. So, We don't ask our heart that has developed over all of these years to stop beating. We don't say, I want to take a little 
break from that beating situation, heart. Can you stop for a little bit? That would be called cardiac arrest and it would not be good. We don't tell our lungs to stop breathing, right? We can't stop breathing. We would die if we stopped breathing. (laughs) Our brain is meant to think just like our heart is meant to beat and our lungs are meant to breathe. Our brain is meant to think. And so it is unreasonable to ask our brain to stop thinking. So I want you to take that off the table, completely off the table when you sit down to meditate. Your brain is going to think and it is not your job to stop the thoughts. What we try to do in meditation is to become aware of the thoughts because we are thinking all day, every day. And the majority of our thoughts, over 95% of our thoughts are actually repetitive thoughts. We have the same thoughts over and over and over, day after day after day. And many times they're running on a loop inside our head without our awareness that they're even happening. They're like a computer program running in the background. But just because we aren't aware that they're actually happening doesn't mean they're not impacting us. They're still impacting how we feel. They're impacting our behavior. They're impacting our perceptions of ourself, other people, and the world. They are profoundly impacting us even though we may not be aware of them. So one of the big benefits of meditation is not stopping the thoughts, but becoming aware of the thoughts, seeing them clearing, clearly, seeing the, the ticker tape or the, the scroll of thoughts going across the brain and observing them without judgment and observing them without attachment. So if you sit down to meditate and you start thinking, I'm no good at this. I'm terrible at this. I can't do this. Why am I even trying to do this? This is impossible, et cetera, et cetera. I want you to try to create some space between yourself and that thought. That is just a thought. It is not true. It is not a statement about you and who you are and what you're capable of. It is just a thought. And you can notice that that thought is a judging thought, right? If you're having those thoughts, you can say, hmm, look at my brain. Look at my brain judging myself. Or maybe you sit down to meditate and you think, oh my gosh, how much time do I have? I need to run to the grocery store and pick up a prescription and return those library books. And the bus comes at this time and my daughter has a doctor's appointment and blah, 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 right? So maybe it's a running list of all the things that you have to get done and you're feeling really stressed about how much time you have have to get those things done. I invite you to bring a little space between you and those thoughts and to just Again, identify them. Oh, look at that. I'm running a list of all the things that I have to get done and it's making me feel really stressed. That's it. There's no judgment on the thought. There's no judgment for having the thought. It is just an awareness of the thought. Or 
Maybe you sit down to meditate and you start thinking about that thing that somebody said to you earlier today or yesterday or last week or last month or last year that really ticked you off. And you're thinking about what you should have said and what they said and how angry it made you feel and how dare they. That's called living in the past. Again, there's no judgment. You simply identify it. Oh, look, that's where my brain went. I went to the past. I'm still ruminating about this particular thing that happened. That's okay. All of these okay are okay. Whether you find yourself judging yourself, living in the future, living in the past, they're all just things that the brain does and you just want to be aware of them because all change starts with awareness. And that's all we're doing as we start to learn how to meditate is we're starting to learn how to be aware of these thoughts that are continuously running through our minds. And we're trying to get a little distance from them, just a little separation between us and the thought. And one way we can get that separation is by witnessing them and then labeling them for what they are and then letting them go. And one type of meditation, one technique is to return to a point of concentration every time you recognize you've gotten caught up in these thoughts. So for today, we're just going to use our breath. There are many ways in which to do this. But today, what we're going to do is use our breath. So we're going to begin counting our breaths. As you inhale in your mind, you'll say one. And as you exhale in your mind, you'll say two. And you'll continue on that pattern. Inhale, you think three. Exhale, you think four. All the way up to a count of 10. And when you reach 10, you return to one. And you keep going that way. Now, what I'm going to tell you right up front is that you might not even get to two before your mind starts taking off and racing in some direction, whether it be into the future or into the past or some form of judgment. And that's okay. That's normal. So as soon as you recognize that your brain has taken off in a certain direction, you're just going to identify that direction. Oh, look, I'm in the past. I'm in the future. I'm judging. I'm whatever. Identify whatever the brain is doing and then go back to the breath and you continue your counting. And then the brain's going to do it again. And when you see it, you, you label the thoughts that you're having and then you go back to the breath. And we just keep repeating this process over and over again with no judgment. Okay. That's the only rule of meditation is that there is no judgment. So what I want you to do, as long as you're in a safe space to do it, is take a seat where you're comfortable. It can be on a chair, on a sofa, a floor, wherever you feel that you are comfortable. I will tell you, you know, you always see meditators sitting um, on cushions without back support. I have a bad back. I don't meditate without back support because I will be uncomfortable and then I will be distracted through my entire meditation by the fact that my back is hurting. So I want you to sit somewhere that is very comfortable and it is best that your spine is nice and straight. So 
if you can sit somewhere that would allow you to really have nice posture and sit up tall, that is ideal. It gives you the opportunity to be um, comfortable and relaxed, but yet somewhat alert. And that's the idea behind sitting in a sitting posture with your spine straight. Once you get into that position, I invite you to take three very big, deep breaths in through the mouth, in through the nose, I'm sorry, and out through the mouth. So it'll sound like this. Big inhale, big exhale. We're going to do that again. Inhale, exhale. One last time. Inhale, exhale. Now, if you haven't done so already, I invite you to close your eyes. And if you're not comfortable closing your eyes, then just take a hazy gaze on the floor, not really looking at anything, just a relaxed gaze staring down at the floor. And now I invite you to start feeling your breath. So as you're breathing in and out, just breathing slowly in and out through the nose, Start to identify where you feel your breath. Do you feel it at your nostrils? Cold air coming in and warm air coming out? Do you feel it in your chest? Is it rising and falling? Do you feel it in your belly? Rising and falling. Where do you feel your breath? Let's just take a few moments breathe in and out and pay attention to where we feel that breath and for everyone that will be different there is no right or wrong there is only awareness Now, as you start to identify where you most clearly feel your breath, you can start the counting process. So as you breathe, inhale, you are thinking in your mind, one. And as you breathe, exhale, you're thinking two. Inhale, three. Exhale, four. And you will keep on this pattern until you reach 10. And then you'll start back at one. And each time you realize that you're no longer thinking about your breath or counting your breath. And you've taken an adventure somewhere. Your brain has taken you off on an adventure. You're going to label that adventure, past, present, future, judgment, emotion, label it, bless it, and come back to your breath. Let it go and come back to your breath. And we'll just repeat this process over and over again. 
We're only going to do this for about two minutes. Just stay with your breath as it moves in and out. Feeling how the breath feels. Does it feel tight and short? Does it feel relaxed and deep? Is it smooth or a little jagged around the edge? No judgment, just observation, just awareness. In this space, you are still, you are quiet. This is where you get in touch with your soul. In and out. In and out. And every time you notice you've gotten lost in your thoughts, label them, bless them, and let them go. Good job. You can stop counting. Just taking a few more breaths in and out. Keeping the eyes closed or that hazy gaze on the floor. And when you feel ready, you can open your eyes. Maybe take one deep breath in through the nose, out through the mouth. You did it. You meditated. And whatever happened over the past three minutes was perfect. It was exactly as it was supposed to be. So congratulate yourself. If you took that time to do this, You won. You did it. You took time for yourself. And I'm so proud of you. I hope you enjoyed that. And let me know if you have any comments, feedback. If you want more of this, please let me know. We can do a meditation at the end of every podcast if you found it helpful. So just let me know what you guys want. All right. Have a great rest of your day. Love you guys. Bye. Hi, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our other episodes, I ask that you please like the show, follow, subscribe, or share. The way that podcasts work is the more people that do one of those things, 
the more likely it is that when someone's looking for a podcast to listen to, our show will pop up for them. I started this podcast because I really see there's a great need in our world for people to feel more peace, joy, love, and acceptance in their lives. And I think we can do that when we have a greater sense of self-awareness. We could become conscious creators of our own lives. And I'm seeking to do that for as many people as possible. So if you could help me by liking, sharing, or subscribing to the show, I'd really appreciate it. And hopefully someone hears a conversation that changes their life. Thank you again, and I'll see you next time. Much love.